Hello and welcome back to season two of Returning to Tradition. This week I'm introducing our full-time co-host for the next two seasons, Emma Singletary. Emma is a freshman at the University of Oklahoma majoring in chemical biosciences on a pre-med track. Emma, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Is it really now? <laughs> the idea for this season, season two, is theology Q&A, but this episode we are going to treat more like a season one episode and that we're going to interview Emma. That way you guys get to know her better. Now, Emma comes up with good questions that many people have and I will try my best to answer them. But again, that'll be on future episodes of season two. We'll get off topic at times. Sometimes <laughs> I won't have an answer, but that's uh, that's just what's going to happen. I don't know yet because we haven't recorded yet. Um, so like I said, I'm hosting the show today. Emma is our guest, but after that, Emma will be co-hosting with me, and we'll have a little back-and-forth banter. <laughs> Emma, first, how did you begin uh, your life? Like, what was religion <laughs> like for you early on? Well, I began my life with birth, like most people. <laughs> um, I was born into a Catholic family, so I grew up as a cradle Catholic. Um, my mom was a cradle Catholic all of her life, and my dad converted to Catholicism in college. Um, and both of them have very strong faiths, so I had a really good, solid um, foundation to grow up with. Um, I went to Catholic grade school and middle school and part of high school, um, which I'll explain later. But it was pretty normal in the sense that um, we went to Mass every Sunday, we received sacraments, adoration wasn't a weird word, you know, that, that all those things were normal for us to do. Um, and yeah, so it was, a, it was a pretty normal upbringing, but I always felt a unique... Um, kind of attraction to my faith. I always knew that my faith was something special and something important to me. Even when I was a really young kid, I always had a certain amount of reverence for the sacraments and for mass and for prayer. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty, pretty normal for a cradle Catholic. Yeah, it sounds like it. Was there a particular point at time that you realized, like, like actually realized that the faith was something cool and interesting? Or was it more of like a process? Um, I think for me, I always had, I think it has to do with just how God made me as I, I kind of always had this unique perspective on the faith. But I think um, I really, the moment, the turning point for my faith was seventh grade. Um, my closest relative has always been my great grandma and very dear to me. Um, we were very, both very close. Um, and she suffered with dementia and a whole lot of health problems and still does. But in seventh grade, she had a really big health scare. Um, and this was really the first time that I battled thinking about, you know, death and, you know, mortality and these big concepts that I really wasn't exposed to yet at that point. Um, and being forced to think about those things kind of led me into this, oh, this long process of doubt and fear and questions um and I think it was honestly kind of scary for my parents because I remember I would go to them with these questions and they're like why is my seventh grader asking me what you know what made God you know what what would happen if God wasn't there you know these big questions that you shouldn't really be having to think about at that point so I think I matured a lot in my faith at that point um in growing and learning about what I actually believe to answer those questions I had for myself and also just learning to rely on my faith and trust in God and, and what I believe in those hard times. And it sounds like over the course of that middle school period, you, it, you, you questioned the faith and that you were asking questions about it, but did you ever question the faith as in, do I actually believe this? I think yes, in a sense, um, but not necessarily the faith, really just like God in general. I was like, it was, I'd always believed in God, but then I, I kind of just had to stop and be like, why do I believe in God? You know, like when you're thinking about death and those big things, you know, obviously that comes up in heaven and stuff. And I'm thinking about all these things and I'm like, wait, is this really true? And then when I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. That was when I was really 
solidified in what I believed and, and really matured a lot in that sense. Interesting, for sure. So as you went out of middle school, um, you told me before we started recording here that you were lucky in high school. What what does that mean? Like yeah. staying away from drugs or something? Like um, I think like most high schoolers, I had my own slew of dealing with temptations and stuff, which I won't go into right now. But um, in the sense of my church life, I got extremely lucky. Um, my confirmation group um, with Meg and Jim Beckman, who if you know them or don't know them, you should know them because they are just crazy amazing in their knowledge of the faith and their experiences and knowledge on prayer um and i had them in my confirmation group and along with them and just like a great group of kids i grew a lot in my faith and felt comfortable to ask questions and i learned a lot from those two years of confirmation and then after confirmation i was just kind of sitting there wanting more i was like i'm not ready to be done with all of this so um, Jim and Meg created a high school discipleship group, which I think at the time I didn't really know what discipleship meant. Um, I don't think I knew what discipleship meant that whole time. Um, but it was a group called Deep Dive, which is exactly what it sounds like. We dove deep into the faith. Um, we wrote uh, read books by C.S. Lewis and um, books about prayer. One was actually written by Jim Beckman himself. Um, so we read his book, which was fun, but just grew super deep in my faith. And it was always, I always had this small group of people that I knew I could turn to if I was in a time of need or prayer, um, with no judgment. Um, and they were just always there to, they were my solid rock in a time that was really difficult for me and my family. A few things off of that, that I found interesting. One is, uh, for those familiar with OU and STM, Jim Beckman has come to Holy Grounds and given a talk probably every semester, every other semester since I've been here. Um, really great man of faith, uh, great example for all of us, the person that she mentioned earlier. Um, also of note for the viewers back in Ohio or potentially in other dioceses, uh, the confirmation process here in Oklahoma is two years long versus we're used to one year. Was. It, did they change it's it? It's currently year? being changed. Uh, we're kind of in a weird thing with the archdiocese right now, where it's transitioning to middle school, I believe. Um, but so it's kind of like half the people in it are middle schoolers right now, and half are high schoolers finishing up what they had already started. Mm -hmm. So it's a we're in a time of transition. So in the next couple of years, it'll look a lot different than it did for me. But you know, yeah. Well, that's why Jason said <laughs> two years, and some people might be like, what? <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, you guys know my opinion, confirmation happens after baptism and everybody gets communion and all that, but that's my opinion. We can go uh, into that one in our questions. Uh, we, we, can, we can make that a we'll Q&A later We'll get into that during on, the season. Um, if we want. Um, yeah, so I think in a lot of ways I was like you in high school and that I had a great community of support. Um, and then like I came here uh, and like... I thought I was doing really well in my faith, and I, I was looking back, but I like didn't even know I could do more, and now I am doing more. Um, so it's really, it's always interesting to look back on things and be like, wow, I was doing really well, and now I'm doing even better. How can that even happen? Um, so it's always interesting. So um, what happened after that, um, after your high school experiences? Well kind of I mean I was still in high school when I had just a crazy year 2020 was a crazy year for everyone but um not saying my family was special in particular but um we dealt with some issues that a lot of other people didn't um not only did we deal with COVID but also um cancer death and um depression so um I guess I'll explain that. Um, in May of 2020, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and so this was the year, I just finished my junior year, going into my senior year of high school. Um, and this was honestly my biggest fear. Um, 
I didn't really explain this about my younger faith life, but um, I have battled a anxiety disorder my entire life. Um, just something, my cross to bear, I guess. But um, illness was always, illness and death were always um, the things I had the most anxiety about. Um, and in the past, I would be able to kind of cope with it by being like, oh, that's unrealistic. Like, that's irrational. You know, everyone's healthy in your family. Like, it's, it's going to be okay. But um, when we found out that my mom had breast cancer, it was kind of like all my fears being realized. Um, and this was really hard. I am one of five kids. Um, and not only that, but my oldest sister um, in January of 2020 had my nephew, Jackson, who's the absolute best. Um, and they were living with us at the time, too. Um, so if you're counting, that's eight of us in a household. And so my mom um, is just amazing in that she is the one who took care of everything. And so when kind of that pillar and that structure of your family is hurt, it, there's two things that can happen. Um, you can figure out how to keep it held up or, or it crumbles. Or for us, it was a little bit of both. Um, we banded together as a family and um, even our extended family and we got through it. She went through a series of surgeries and luckily, thank God, um, she wasn't, she didn't have to do chemo. Um, and so after, it was, it was a pretty long process of surgeries, very, very painful um, recoveries. She was out for months and um, it was, it's hard to see someone who's always been strong in your family and someone that you look up to that way hurting. Um, not only just mentally, but physically. I mean, you could just see the pain um, and how she was moving. So that was a really, really, really hard time for my family. Um, and then not only that, but um, my youngest sister had a bunch of mental health battles um, with depression, and I won't get into it too much because that's more of her story to tell, but um, that took an immense toll on our family, um, and especially on her, obviously, um, and that was an ongoing process and is... Um, you know, still ongoing, but it was a year like no other with difficulties. Um, and I was challenged beyond what I thought I could handle. Um, and it was honestly the hardest time I think I've ever gone through, but also I've never grown, grown more in my faith in such a short time um, than that year. Yeah. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of things to say about yeah. that. Uh, one is one of the things I love about doing this podcast thing is that we've talked about mental health a lot, um, which is awesome because it's so stigmatized or at least was a few years ago. It's getting better, thankfully. Um, but we've been able to talk about difficult to talk about things, um, fears that people have everything and so um that's one of the things i'm grateful for but that's kind of a side point <laughs> so one of the things i want to do is go back to your past so at this point you're a high schooler it's 2020 um what was the role of your parents in like your childhood and middle school years like what what did they bring um to how how you became you <laughs> um other than the obvious <laughs> well alrighty then Chris just get right into it um I think they are the people I look up to I have always had an amazing relationship with my parents um I look up to them I love them they've taught me most of what I know um but I think they always supported me um in every way, including my faith. Um, and that was kind of hard because I did, I do think that my experiences in middle school um, and in just the way I was created was I had a deeper desire for my faith than I think other people my age wanted. So when I couldn't relate to my peers, I was able to come to my parents and, you know, ask them questions that 
you know, you can't really ask your friends in middle school or really even high school sometimes. So for me, it was, I mean, they were always sources of support and knowledge and um, examples of what, how to live a Christian life, really, um, especially when it's hard. That's the number one thing that they've taught me. Um, just as a unit together as parents, they have had to undergo a lot of difficulties in parenting. You know, <laughs> we're not a very easy group to parent, the, my siblings and I, and they have taken every challenge um, in head on and with trust and in faith with God, where whether it was, you know, mental health, physical health, um, all of our goals and dreams and hopes, and, you know, they just supported us through it all. So I think most importantly, they were examples of who I wanted to be, but they were also just constantly supportive. Awesome. Yeah, that's... Yeah. It's pretty impressive, honestly. They're pretty great. I hope they listen to that way. They know <laughs> they do too. How much, because some, I I, I, I think at least for me personally, like I don't think our generation says how much we're thankful for our parents. <laughs> yeah. And like even though we are, like you just mm-hmm. said, but like would you ever tell them that straight up? Probably not. I mean, okay. not quite. At least. I I don't think like, I would have told them at the time. Right now, but all the now time, looking, but yeah. I don't even think definitely the, not. At not the time. I don't think at the time. I mean, obviously, I always knew that I loved them, but like, I remember, you know, like my dad telling me what I did wrong in a soccer game, or <laughs> you know, like um, critiquing me, just wanting me to be the best version of myself. And you know, at the time, I was like, "Bro, shut up!" I just, <laughs> I'm trying really hard here, but you know, them pushing me to be the best I can just ingrained that in who I am and gave me discipline and um just gave me a lot of they've taught me so many good life lessons so yeah definitely I I do hope they've listened to this because (laughs) I love you mom and dad (laughs) there you go um I love you too mom and dad if you're listening (laughs) my mom and dad dad. okay mom and dad Chris loves you anyways Um, I also want to go back and talk about um, friendships that you had in great. You literally have not talked about your friends. Maybe you had no friends. That's cool with me. But I assume that wasn't the case. So I want to give them their fair share. Obviously. So I don't think when I was talking about my high school, I don't think I talked about how I transferred. Um, So I have always gotten so lucky with friends. Um, obviously there's friendships that don't work out, but I have gotten so lucky with the ones that have, and, um, you know, elementary school, middle school, I still talk to those people. You know, I love, I love my friends from then, but also in high school, I got really lucky too. And so, um, I initially for my freshman and sophomore years of high school went to Bishop McGinnis, um, in OKC, go Irish. Um, and I went there for two years, um, and made, I mean, just such amazing friendships. I still talk to those people every day or once a week at least. I love them. Um, but I had to transfer after my sophomore year. Um, <laughs> my dad was actually supposed to take a job in San Antonio. Um, long story short, we ended up staying in Oklahoma. But for those of you who don't know, um, private Catholic school is very expensive. And when you have four siblings, it's even more expensive. So um, we decided just as a family, we were going to transfer to public schools because Edmund Edmund School District in general just has really great schools. Um, So did I want to transfer? No, but I was kind of okay with it because I knew where I was going was going to be pretty great. I didn't understand how great. Um, So I transferred schools and kind of because I went to Catholic schools, um, <laughs> we had like six to eight girls throughout middle school. Um, and so like, I never really had to like meet new people. We always had like the same group. And even in high school, a lot of us went to the same high school. Um, and at McGinnis, our class size was less than 200. So I really wasn't having to come out of my comfort zone very much and meet new people. Um, so that was the main thing I was scared of. I was like, well, I already have great friends. How am I supposed to find new ones, you know? 
Um, and this was kind of like the first time where I was like set into like a pool of people that I didn't know anyone. Um, but I started cross country there and um, at Emma Memorial, <laughs> go Bulldogs. And <laughs> I met my best friends, um, my roommate Amber and I met there. Um, and that experience of transferring was so eye-opening because I had been in this Catholic bubble most of my life. Obviously, I you know, met people who weren't Catholic. I was friends with people who weren't Catholic. But for the majority, a lot of my friends and the people I was around were Catholic just because that's where I went to school. And so going to public school, um, there weren't that many Catholics. Obviously, there were some, but it was a lot more. There were a lot of, I mean, people of faith, Christian, uh, Baptist, uh, non-denominational, Lutheran, all of them. So it was eye-opening because <laughs> I just went in just kind of unashamed and they're like, well, what are you? And I'm like, well, I'm Catholic. And I didn't think that was going to be like a weird thing because I was used to being a Catholic with other Catholics. So I didn't really, I didn't know about Catholic stigmas and Catholic, <laughs> yeah, um, like in the Bible Belt, folks. We're in the Bible Belt. No, like I didn't know that there was a stigma about drinking, about kids, like having a lot of kids. I was so oblivious to it all, and so I dealt with jokes out the wazoo of people, you know, being like, "Oh, what's a rosary for? What's the holy water?" You know, like all these questions. And I was like, "What do you mean? Like all these things are totally normal. They're part of my every." <laughs> life like what are you talking about um so but not only that um I had my eye opened to questions that I hadn't even asked about my own faith because I was a cradle catholic there's a lot of things that I think for better or for worse I just kind of like accepted I didn't really think about it I just accepted it as a norm um whether that be like the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist or you know, praying to Mary or all these things, I, I was like, yeah, it's just the way it is, you know, <laughs> like everyone around me believes that. So I'm going to believe that too. And so really when I transferred is when I took ownership of my own faith. I had already matured in my faith, but this is when I really like took it on as my own um, thing. So I learned in these circumstances um, how to have mature conversations about the faith where n neither of the groups leave feeling you know bullied or less than themselves you know everyone feels respected and loved and it's really just about learning about other people's um, beliefs but I also left knowing so much more about what I believed um, in general and what the Catholic faith teaches on a lot of issues so that was honestly a great experience as weird as it sounds leaving a catholic church or catholic school to a public school strengthened my faith and i learned more about my faith in that i don't think that's that way for everyone but for me that's how it went um so i was actually really thankful for that experience and i think it really prepared me um for coming to college and meeting a lot of new people and kind of um how to go about explaining who i am what i believe and what i'm all about Good stuff. Um, I was the opposite. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't transfer in the middle of high school, but I went to public school through middle school mm -hmm. and then went to Catholic high school. Um, and it, it was kind of weird going into that bubble that you mentioned. Yeah. You know, I, I think like recognizing that there is a bubble is very important yes. because yes <laughs> there is a bubble and I didn't know I, yeah. I mean I was completely oblivious to it I was like yeah this is just normal <laughs> there's a whole other world out there <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um, and, and kind of like what you said in your experiences in high school are a lot of the reasons that I decided to do religious studies yeah. um, because it's not so much for me to learn about other religions and what they believe. I, sorry, I don't really care about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what I do care about is the conversations I can have between people that have different religions than I do, where we're similar on and have mm -hmm. productive 
level-headed discussions about that. Well, and it's it's beautiful because yeah. both parties can grow in their faith so much, even if they're completely different. Yeah. Um, like, heck, I met up with like a bunch of Mormons this year and yeah. learned and kind of. I think their intention was to teach me about the faith, but I taught them more about the Catholic faith. You know, it, it's. It's, and it, it doesn't have to come from a place of trying to convince someone or defend yourself. Like, it doesn't have to be an argument. It can be just, you know, a curiosity and an interesting conversation of, you know, what do you believe? Like, everyone just has so many preconceived notions about the world. And the only way to really test those and to learn about what's actually happening is to ask someone who's experiencing it. So I think even to help, especially I would encourage everyone with all of their friends to have these conversations because not only does it help you understand, you know, whole faith as a whole, but it will help you understand a person and, you know, like what's important to them and where are they coming from when they're saying certain things and they believe certain things. And um, once you can just have a conversation out of love and not out of argument or anything and curiosity can be very productive yeah they say don't talk about religion politics and money with other people um, I'm going to disagree with the religion part like you said yeah it I mean religion is a huge part of you how who humans have been over the course of humanity existing there's almost always been religion people have almost always adhered to some sort of religion um, because it helps define who we are, whether or not it's true or not, you know, that's that's a question for another day. Uh, of course, we here believe that the Catholic faith is the true faith, <laughs> but, you know, um, that's... This is a shameless plug for the oh, Roman Catholic Church. <laughs> of course. Well, not just the Roman Catholics, all, all the Catholics. And... How inclusive of you. <laughs> I know, I know. And the Orthodox are in schism. They're close enough, they get, in my opinion. <laughs> We can talk about that on. No, that is that is definitely a question. Um, yeah, that later in the season. Yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> Keep on listening. Give me more views, please. Or views. listens. They can't hear. I always say like I'm gonna film the podcast because I'm used to recording weather stuff, right? And yeah, anyways, um, oops. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Talking to people of different faiths, it's really always an adventure doing so. Um, yeah, I find it interesting, and um, you've gained friendships out of it, which I think is good. And so we moved to college. You said your roommate <laughs> is one of the people that you met in your secular high school, your public high school. Yeah. And now you guys are roommates. So. Oh, yeah. Amber's the best. I hope she listens to this, too. She is... <laughs> You know, she and, you know, my friends from Edmond um, and my long-term friends, of course. I don't want to kick them out of this, too. They're awesome. But Amber was honestly my rock um, when my family was going through a lot of things. She, I was actually just talking to my mom about this today. She was a person that I could go to with issues, um, you know, especially the issues with my family that, you know, you don't really want to talk to about with everyone. Um, and she just no judgment would listen to me and I think the most amazing thing about our friendship is we've known each other for two and a half years like it's such a fraction of what our lives have been but it feels like I've known her forever she understands me so deeply and now we're roommates and you know we talk about everything we have lots of fun but I think the most important part of our relationship is it it's it's grounded in Christ it always I mean I can ask her to come pray for me and it's not weird it's completely normal and I think normalizing friendships that are Christ-like is something that's so important but um yeah now we're in college um and that in it of itself was kind of um a turning point in my faith as well I think yeah it, one of the things I want to say about that is uh, my freshman year of college I get in of course, I know nobody at this whole university. Uh, yeah, that's where we're different. <laughs> yeah, 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 we do two, not share that. I, I went to two of them high schools. Anyways, I I come here, I get to my random roommate, and like one of the first, like literally the first night we're together, he asks if he could pray for me, like oh, wow. out loud, like over me. I'm like, 
yeah, sure. Please like, do. I know. I'm like, I'll take it. I mean, yeah, sure. He's he's Protestant, and hey, but the, we're all the, the type of prayer was not something you would have had in a Catholic setting for sure. Um, there wasn't a lot of silence. It was it was very uh, what verbal. Yeah, it was very verbal in that you know it's constantly talking and and giving different addresses to. God, Father, yeah. and that's not bad, of course. I'm not, prayer is good. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's, it's a different, different experience from what we're used to. And I think that was, I think, I mean, in my experience of kind of exploring different faiths and different churches, that's always something I find interesting is the different ways of prayer. And I think, I mean, all of them are beautiful. Um, I think you can get something out of every time you pray. I mean, there's God's not going to not talk to you, you know? Like, he's always there reaching out. But I think that is interesting, and that's something I've loved with, you know, my relationship with Amber and a lot of my Protestant friends is um, inviting them to see we go to each other's types of prayer. So, like, I will go with them to, you know, like praise and worship nights and um, go see talks and stuff in their um, places of worship. But then they'll come with me to mass or adoration, Um and I know those experiences can be very uncomfortable for someone who doesn't, you know, understand them or hasn't been exposed to them. But that's something that's beautiful about our relationships, too, is, you know, there's no judgment. Like, it's all from a place of love and curiosity. And it's like, because she loves Mia as a person, she wants to know what I'm passionate about. And I think um, that ability to just go and, you know, look into what other people believe is really, really mature and, and a sign of a great friendship. Um, but, yeah, prayer is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, it's a little tangent. No, in kind of what you said, going to praise and worship nights with your friends, I think even if they're not Catholic, that's good. I think maybe in the first episode we talked about this, maybe not, of the first season with Austin, who uh, runs, who is one of the two people over at Still Morning Worship. Of course, go listen to them if they're you amazing on Spotify or Should any sing other. A little bit? Uh, no, please don't. <laughs> we might um, lose yeah, listeners. Copyright. Anyways, <laughs> you think they copyright? Oh, I can't. Anyways, sorry, Julian. Um, yeah, Julian Austin, great people. Anyways, <laughs> praise and worship is important. Um, and going to a Catholic praise and worship night is just as fruitful as going to a Protestant praise and worship. Oh night. yeah. There's that nothing is. different. The difference, though, is. Lots of the people at the Protestant praise and worship night, for them, that's like the fullness of their religious experience. Not for all Protestants, I'm not generalizing, I'm trying not to. <laughs> yeah. Protestants is a very broad category, so we try to stay away from that. Um, but for a lot of them, that's the fullness of their practice of the faith, which is a good start. It's a great thing to do, but there's more to it. Um, and we would, of course, say that's here in the Catholic Church, but, um, you know. Well, we can go into that during the season about yeah. the mysteries of the sacraments and Eucharist, because I think those are ideas, I mean, I, I'm not going to give you any spoilers about questions I have for you, but um, I think that is such a unique part of our faith and hard to understand the importance of, and I think even Catholics um, mm -hmm. sometimes don't fully understand I mean, I know at times I haven't um, what we believe there and why it's so well, important. Um, I mean, it is a mystery. So, it is a mystery. You know? <laughs> but, well, yeah. And, but what little we can describe, yeah. Lot, lot well, and that kind of goes into, you know, <laughs> we kind of got sidetracked, but freshman year um, as a turning point for me in my faith was a moment of understanding more of the beauty um, and the deepness and the richness of the Catholic faith, which is just so interesting. Like that I went 18, 19 years now where as a Catholic, and it was just like, obviously I knew things were important, but it was, I really saw the beauty in a new light when I came here. Um, when I, just like um, Chris had said earlier, Jim has come and sp um, spoke at, at, STM before um, in Holy Grounds talks and stuff. And one time, my senior year, actually, we came with him, uh, me and a bunch of the people from the discipleship group. And the moment I walked into St. Thomas More, like, 
I just knew that this would be my home and that I would have a home here. And it was just like this beautiful moment where I was just like, yes, this is where I'm going to invest a lot of who I am and a lot of time here and in my relationships with the people here, but also just in my own relationship with Christ. And so that was this semester I've grown so immensely in my faith. I had, you know, some challenging times, um, obviously ongoing with my family is still, um, going through processes of healing and, and my sister is still battling, but through these times and through the support, I was able to look at them in a whole new light. Um, and it was interesting because I was actually on a walk with my dad over Christmas break and I was trying to explain to him why I was so excited and happy about the people I'd met here. Um, and not just the people, but the community and the church itself. Um, and <laughs> it was hard to put in words other than like, I had a desire. I, I now have a desire for holiness. Um, I think there's a difference between, you know, wanting to be stronger in your faith and wanting to have a better relationship with Christ and, you know, doing the things to get better. And then this flip side of like having a true desire for that. And that's what I grew into this year um, through, and it was really just through just meeting people, you know, and seeing what it was like. I didn't know that you could have a group of 50 people who would want to go to a daily mass at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night. Like, I didn't know that, okay, this is going to sound weird, but like, I didn't know there was that many Catholic guys in the world until I got to SDM. Because I'm like, I swear, I go to like a very big parish in Edmond. Like, we have two parishes in Edmond, and Edmond is like a pretty big suburb. Like, we're on the up and up. Like, watch out for Edmond. But it's like, we have a big parish, and obviously, I see people there, but I would have never like had a true, I think there's maybe two guys in all of high school that I would say, maybe, okay, I say that, maybe like five guys, where I would be like, I could have a mature conversation about my faith with them. And I can honestly say, I could come into St. Thomas More literally any time of the day and find someone, whether that be a guy or a girl, and have a mature conversation about my faith with. And that wasn't it was just such a big eye-opener for me that that existed. And it made me realize that I wasn't weird to desire those things. I wasn't weird to want to be like, hey, guys, it's midnight during finals week. Let's go to adoration. Like, that actually happened. And it was just, like, these moments. It's like, I'm not weird for wanting to go to and receive the sacraments at a frequent basis. I'm not weird to want to have conversations about my faith or be in a Bible study, like, the fact that that's so normal here is what has grown me in holiness so much is that now I desire it where I thought it would be like, oh, daily mass and, you know, saying the rosary frequently is just for old people who have nothing better to do with their time. And now I'm like, that's what our faith is built on. You know, like that's the fundamental of what we need to be sustained in this life. And it was just like this flip in the mind, like a switch just went on where I was like, this is what I want. This is what I want for the rest of my life. And I want to just grow in this holiness and in this divine intimacy. And I want to learn more about my faith. And I want to become holy. And that, I mean, that that's what freshman year of high school was, or for college was for me. <laughs> A few notes on that. Um, number one note, you've rotated your chair like 45 degrees since we started talking. Um, number two note, actually related to the content of this story, also kind of a sidebar. I could have met you before you came here. I'm pretty sure you did. I probably I did. I met but like, everyone. I, what the heck? I'm Anyways. trying to remember. I, there, were, there were probably like 20 people the week I went. I think it, it was still during COVID. So it was yeah. it was 2021 spring. So there was, I don't know how many people were actually here. I mean, I was definitely here. I mean, you were definitely, I feel like I met you because I remember coming and being like, 
why the heck are there so many meteorology people? Because <laughs> I swear, yeah, me, me every, <laughs> every guy I met that night was like, yeah, I'm a meteorology major. And yeah. I was like, okay, I came here for pre-med. Where are the doctors at? <laughs> I was like, I was told that this was a medical school, you know? Yeah, that's fair. So, I, it was, yeah, no, I, I honestly, we probably did meet, but obviously I didn't make an impression of you. Well, clearly I didn't either if you don't well, remember Well, I remember meteorology. So like, <laughs> I was kind of busy well, it could being have been a high schooler. Me or Cal or Ethan, but, you know. I feel like it was Ethan. I really... Probably. Because, I, I don't know. I just feel like it was. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> um, other questions I have for you. Did um, did you ever go to an odd orientum mass before coming to SDN? Odd orientum as in facing east? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I think you should explain. Good job that. explaining. I don't. Th- yeah, I'm just trying to keep everyone. I don't think I well, knew what autoreactive means until like three days ago. I I always knew what it was. I didn't oh, know at the, the at the teaching. Yeah, base. I didn't yeah. know the name for it. Um, no, <laughs> I never did, and that was because St. John's as a parish and St. Monica's both in Edmond. Um. See, Monica's, I think, has more of an ability to do autorantium. I think they have something behind. But St. John's is, like, just a freestanding altar. So you really can't do it. Well, you can do it on a freestanding. Well, if the priest went the other way. But I will say this. St. John's as a parish is fairly, I'm not going to say progressive, but they're... (laughs) I know what you mean. (laughs) They're, like, I came here, and I don't think I had heard that much Latin in a mass ever. Like, I was going to say, ha, ha, have you heard chanting like our choir does? At- no. Okay. And you know what the weirdest thing was? Is I remember last year being like, oh, they do that. Like, I remember hearing the Salve Regina. And I was like, oh, I've never heard that before. Which is weird. I've gone to Catholic what, things What's the name of the show? The show? Yeah. Re- this podcast. Returning to tradition. <laughs> now, what are ad orientum and chanting? Tradition. Their and, tradition in well, the Catholic... And I, was, I mean, and I think that's important to bring out. No. Though, and, is that... It's beautiful. Like we, that. We, both of us came here to OU with uh-huh. some level of Catholic faith. Yes, yes. But we came here and experienced those more so-called traditional things, arguably things that should just simply be there always. And <laughs> Chris, tell us how you feel. <laughs> tell us how you really feel. And, and so we came here and experienced those things, and I think they're important to notice. Hence the name of the show. Anyways. Well, and I know I think that's something to go off of is like, again, my idea that like the real Catholic stuff is only for old people who didn't have time. Once you delve into it and into the mystery of that, you learn so much about your own faith. Like there's a reason we've been around so long, you know, and these (laughs) traditions have lasted through that time, which obviously, even if the world's changing, like, people are going to be like, oh, well, the Catholic Church should change too. And obviously, the Catholic Church is expanding their teachings to encompass everything. I don't think that the Catholic Church 2,000 years ago could have predicted the issues that we're dealing with nowadays. But And I think the Church is trying its best to teach on those. And I think, obviously, there's things we can do better and things that obviously could have gone worse, you know. Like, <laughs> But we're trying our best. But I think something that's so important, and when I was when you asked me to come on a podcast and I listened to a couple of the episodes and the trailer I was like (laughs) I found it on Spotify um it was like yeah like I agree with that like we should keep tradition um I would never want to see those things die out um and even though personally I don't really know how I feel 100% I've always liked and that is something I noted was the autorantum um I always liked being able to see the Eucharist um just because for me, it felt more personal. But learning from the teaching mass, at first, like when I saw Father do it for the first time, I was like, well, why is he not looking at us? Like, that was kind of, <laughs> I thought he was just kind of being lazy. <laughs> I was like, he just doesn't want to move the stuff. Like, it's closer to the sacristy. But once he explained, like, it was because early Christians and early Catholics built their churches facing east because of the belief that Jesus would come from the east, that was, I was like, that's beautiful. Like, and of course, obviously, I think the thing that I think is most important is to be able to recognize um, the body and the blood of Christ. Um, and I think something that Father Jim does well is when he's presenting, um, whether he's um, doing the Last Supper words or he's doing the Behold 
the Lamb of God. Um, I think he does a really good job of holding up the host and the chalice um, in those moments um, and kind of adding the reverence there. Um, and I think that's the most important part is that everyone feels a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I think I've talked to, which is something I didn't know before I started talking to people outside my Catholic bubble, was that, and I had talked to someone who actually left the faith, um, and their family was saying that they left because they felt like the Catholic Church wasn't welcoming enough, which I can understand that if you don't try to understand or learn or if people aren't willing to share the things like why we do certain things, I would feel a little put off too because you're like, well, everyone else knows the words. Everyone else knows when to stand or when to say something, you know? Like, I could understand feeling alienated, but um, I think once you really dive into, like, the reason why and if you talk to someone who genuinely wants to share what they know and their faith, um, it's it's beautiful. And that's the only word I can describe sacred tradition is just absolutely beautiful. And um, I think it adds a certain reverence to what we celebrate um, that I think is really needed. I think it is amazing how um, the world, I say this, it's a double-edged sword, um, the world is very secular now, I will put that out there, but it's also, you, at least from my experience, I, I mean, I would say, at least in Oklahoma, a large percentage of people at least acknowledge Jesus Christ. You know, mm-hmm. a large percent of people are Christians, which I think is super important. I think it's amazing. And I think it's amazing that we're able to find Christian Instagram pages and Christian social media and all these things. But I think sometimes when we um, make Christianity so normal, which I think is awesome. I think it should be the norm. I think we should all, I'm not saying that that's not good, but I not think, advocating for theocracy. But, <laughs> <laughs> not saying that we should all be atheists, but I do think that we lose some of the reverence that God is due. When we think about in the Bible, um, you know, early Jewish people, like not everyone could go into the temple. Especially we become the, numb to it. Especially in the upper room. And I think that is something that like we forget. Like mm-hmm. that is such a reverent place. And it's so important to understand the true presence of Christ and to give it, you know, the reverence it deserves. And so I think that's also kind of where sacred tradition comes in that a lot of people can have a hard time understanding of like, ah, why does everything in a Catholic church look weird? Why isn't it a big convention center? Well, it's because like, if you believe that Jesus Christ is truly present in the, in the Eucharist, then you have to believe that it deserves <laughs> um, the utmost respect. Anyways, um, <laughs> I just found a twig on Emma's pants. Anyways. I'm one with nature. Um, uh, thanks, <laughs> In other news, um, can that go in the bloopers? Maybe. Anyway, and two two other things I wanted to mention as we wrap up here. Um, as as I came to SDM, one of the things I noticed, um, like, was the amount of people that went to weekly or every other week confession. At my home parish, there's maybe four people on Saturday, and that's it. Um, that's the only confession time and there's nobody in line usually um, which is unfortunate other parishes in the area have longer lines of course and it are varies we from week lines? to week uh, are we comparing no, lines right now but, but my, my, my point <laughs> they is they have more sinners my point is I came here and the community was such that people recognized their sinfulness and unworthiness yes. and went to confession often even also receiving on the tongue back at my home parish maybe one person a mass maybe two people a mass at one of the largest parishes in the diocese yeah and here if you go to daily mass it's probably half of the people i went to one daily mass here one time it was like 
everybody except for two people. Okay, so we know what Chris is doing. (laughs) When you think he's uh, sitting and meditating perfectly, he's watching you and counting (laughs) how many people (laughs) receive my talk. I am not counting. Hey, but but I I mean, I agree. Hey, make reverence cool again. Yeah, right. Hashtag make reverence great again. Make make reverence cool again. Great again. Uh, No. The other thing I wanted to mention is lots of things we're talking about now. Try to remember those until about this time in April. We're going to, yeah, you remember what we talked about here? Yeah. I okay. Do. Remember that for April. In April, we're going to release another episode. I think we're going to talk about a lot of the same things. Emma doesn't know this yet, but I, I, uh, stay, what's happening stay in tuned. April? I'll tell you after, after oh. the show. They, da, da, they can't da, da. They Wait, can't is this coming yet. out soon? Yeah, this is coming out this, this Wednesday. Oh, okay. I don't think I was ready for that. I thought this was like... <laughs> when did you think this was here I don't know. I thought we were going to record it, and then we would both kind of like forget about it. And then we'd be like, oh, shoot. And it'd be like 10 years later, and we'd be like, oh, we should have posted that. Yeah, we're planning for two seasons, <laughs> and I'm like, going to put it off for 10 years. Anyways. Um, I'm a procrastinator. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Returning to Tradition. We can do that. We can and, do that next. And this week. is return. Wait, can next. I do the sign off though? Because you know, like, this is my official. Next week. No, let me do that. Okay. This is returning true tradition. Over. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> That's your end of the vlog. <laughs> See you guys next time. <laughs>